BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Today on the Under Center Podcast, we talk with some Super Bowl participants that have Bears and Chicago ties. Three guys that you know and love. That's coming up next on the Under Center Podcast. What it means to me to be a Chicago Bear, it's an easy question. It means everything to me. It means rich tradition, uh, black and blue division, defense, legends, linebackers. The history of it. I mean, I'm a big history guy, so understanding this was one of the first franchises just kind of blows my mind, honestly, that I was able to be a part of that. The city, uh, just the, the nostalgia of playing for a story franchise, the story franchise of the running back position with guys like Gail Sayers and Walter Payton and being able to follow in those footsteps. So being a Bear means everything. I mean, what more can you say? Welcome to the Under Center Podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. The Under Center Podcast is brought to you by the Sprinkler Fitters Union Local 281. We're at the Super Bowl and we had a great time at media night catching up with some people that have been here before. And one that you know and you love from his days as a college star. It was a great experience to be at Super Bowl night to talk with people and run into people that I used to cover when I was on the Bears beat every day. There are two guys that are playing in this Super Bowl that were here together and now they're on opposite sides. Well, one of them's playing, the other one's coaching. But that guy who's coaching used to coach the guy who's playing. By now, you've probably figured it out. It's Dave Tobe, who's a special teams coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Robbie Gold, who's the place kicker for the San Francisco 49ers. Tobe was first because we got the opportunity to talk with him first. So here's our conversation. He and I went one-on-one about what he remembers about Super Bowl 41 and how he's getting himself prepared to, to work in this game. Yeah. 13 years ago, we're here, you get you with the Bears, coaching Devin Hester. I heard you talking a little bit about his return to start the game. How did you know that Tony Dungy was going to kick off to him? Well, you don't really know. You just have an idea just because it's a Super Bowl and you know that all the pictures are going to be taken. And I told, I told the guys Saturday night, I said, hey, uh, you know, they're not going to kick a squib kick or they're not going to kick it out of bounds. Or they might try to kick a touchback, but I think you might get the ball kicked to you. So and that's really what happened. Devin took it to the house. It was unbelievable. How much pride did you take in that moment? Because I know that you had talked to him about visualizing it and being in the moment. So when he makes it all the way into the end zone and starts the game off that way, how proud were you? Well, he had five during the year. So I mean, it wasn't his first time, but yeah, to do it in the Super Bowl, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit, but it wasn't like something that, you know, we, we knew it was going to happen. We didn't know it was going to happen. We just knew he, had, he might have a big return, you know. But, but when, he, when he took it, I mean, it, the feeling was unbelievable. Like, it gives me goosebumps now you, you want to think about it still. So what's it like for you to be back here now with this Chiefs team? It's special because, you know, I got a good returner again. I got, 
uh, McCole Hardman, who's excellent. You know, he's he's a guy that can that can do that. He can take it to the house at any time, any moment, punt return or kick return. So that's always special. Um, it's any time. This this game is so important. I mean, it's so huge. Uh, you know, it's the, the culminating thing for an entire season. It's a journey. You know, and we're here again. You know, it's just it's, it's unbelievable. I've heard you in press conferences over the last couple of weeks talk about what it's like to lose this game. So how much do you tell the players about that? We don't talk about losing. We don't talk about losing. We talk about preparing, you know, getting ourselves prepared to win. You know, and that's all we talk about is winning. Uh, and, you know, I, I understand how it feels to lose. You know, and I, I, I tell them that, but it's not something that we really harp on. We, we spend more time talking about how good it is to be the world champions. I asked you this before we even started rolling, but what's it like to watch Patrick Mahomes in practice? I mean, he, you know, he, he does that stuff all the time in practice. We're kind of spoiled now, you know. I mean, we see that stuff all the time. Uh, he even practices behind the back passes, you know. And someday he's going to do it in a game. You know, hopefully it's not in the Super Bowl, but he will, he will he might do it in a game sometime. We keep seeing special teams coordinators get a chance to become head coach. I'm still waiting for you to get an opportunity. Do you still think about it? I think about it a little bit, but not not as much. I mean, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. You know, I just want to be the best special teams coach that, that I can be. And that, that's really all I strive to do. Uh, I'm glad that somebody got a chance. I'm glad Joe Judge got a chance, you know, and, and people are starting to open up to the idea that special teams coach can do the job. Uh, I think that's special, and I think it's good for the profession. Uh, you know, he needs to go in there and do a good job now. He needs to show everybody and prove that he can do it, which I know he can. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good for the profession that somebody's getting an opportunity. Matt Nagy is one of the, the assistants for Andy Reid that got an opportunity to be a head coach. What are your thoughts on, on Matt Nagy and how prepared he was for the opportunity? Nagy was, he, was, he was definitely ready. He's, there was no question he was going to be a head coach sooner or later. If it wasn't that year, it was going to be the next year. Uh, he's so prepared, as well as Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy's ready too. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't get one this year. He'll get one next year. You know, everybody has their time, and, and, and Eric's is coming as well. Is it easier to prepare for something like this as a coach because you can't really allow your emotions to get into it, or is there part of you that can't wait until Sunday because you've actually experienced this before? Uh, I always, I'm trying to tell the guys it's a, you know, it's a long process. You know, I mean, we, it's a two-week process. We already got one week under our belt. We just started the second week. It's a slow build and it's a slow burn. You can't peak, you can't peak too early. And Coach Reed talks about that too with the guys. You know, it's a slow process. We just have to build, build, build until we get to Sunday. And then even Sunday's a long day. So, uh, you know, I think our guys will be prepared and ready. Over the last couple of years, it feels like the rules have changed so much that your job has gotten more and more difficult with the taking away of the wedge and the, the fact that people are just kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone. So how do you go about preparing your guys for when there is a short kickoff, for example? Yeah, a couple of years ago, we, we came in and we redid the, the kickoff rules so we could keep kickoff in the game. It really made a big difference. It, was, it decreased concussions a lot. So as long as we stay on that you know, cutting edge of looking at things and trying to fix things to make sure that we make the game safer, I think we'll be all right. Uh, you know, special teams does get the brunt of, of, of a lot of things sometimes, but, uh, you know, I think I think the guys are, you know, coaches and, and players are all understanding how important it is, you know, to keep the game safe. One more thing about 07. 
What's the thing that you'll always take away from that experience, even though you guys didn't win? Wow. I just, the fact that it was uh, it was Tony Dungy and, and Lovey Smith both going at it, and, and, and one of those guys is going to be a Super Bowl champion. I mean, that was a big, that was the big thing that I remember that week. And, you know, unfortunately it wasn't Lovey, but it was, fortunately for Tony Dungy, it was him. How excited are you for this? Ecstatic. I mean, this is this is unbelievable. I can't believe I can't believe how much this thing has changed over the years. Thirteen years ago, we walked into the stadium, you know, at Miami, and there was you know a couple, maybe a couple thousand people. Now it's like we got five thousand people here. It's unbelievable. Next up is Mike Kafka. You're saying, wait, why are you talking to Mike Kafka? Well, because. He's the quarterback coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's on the Andy Reid tree, just like Matt Nagy, and he was Northwestern's star quarterback. We talked about a lot of stuff, including whether or not Fitz could be a good head coaching candidate in the NFL. But we spent time trying to figure out about Mike's time transitioning between star quarterback and when he knew it was over. How does this this feel for you to, to go from the Northwestern quarterback to being coaching perhaps the most talented quarterback who's ever played? Um, it's, it's been a great um, a great so, a few years here. Obviously, um, didn't end my playing career the way I wanted to, but um, I knew I had, I still I knew I had some more left as far as my passion for football. And so, um, you know, getting into the coaching business and, you know, obviously thankful for Coach Fitz for giving me my first opportunity um, as a graduate assistant at Northwestern, an alma mater. You know, having so much familiarity, not just with the staff, but with the city, the school, um, the offense. So it was obviously a great, a great transition into it. Um, and then Coach Reed giving me an opportunity at the professional level after you know he had drafted me as a player. So you know I've, these last few years have obviously gone by fast, but um, it's been fun. How hard was that transition when you go from being the guy to all right, my NFL playing career is over, but I can do some other stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always trusted my ability and my, my work ethic as far as football-wise. So, you know, I thought it was a you know, I thought it was a good transition. I thought it was a good decision for me to, to get into coaching. I love I love the game. I love talking the game. And so, um, you know, it's been fun to be able to be involved in, in the offense and be involved with the quarterbacks, which is my dream, you know, to, to, go, to coach those guys. We're still in Chicago getting getting to know Matt Nagy. Like we're still getting to know him. What should we know about him and any coach that coaches under Andy Reid? What do you guys all have in common? Yeah, you're you're going to be detailed, detail oriented. Um, you're going to put in the hours. You're going to put in the work. I think that's evident from the first time, first minute you step on um, on campus here in Kansas City. You're putting you're putting in the work, and then um, you're going to make sure that you you know X's and O's, offense, defense and then how to run the organization. Coach Reed does an unbelievable job of incorporating everyone, whether it be in the offense or in the team, um, and really preps you for situations like that when you have an opportunity to move on and, and be a head coach. I've noticed over the last couple of games that Pat has been getting vertical in the run game, that he's getting up the field, which I think makes him incredibly dangerous. So what does that do to a defense when they know what he's doing with his arm, but yeah. now he's also using the mobility element? Um, I, it definitely adds another um, another aspect of the offense that you need to account for. 
I think, you know, as long as Pat is selective and with when he needs to run, I think, you know, trusting the pocket, trusting the protection in front of you is also important. And so there'll be a time and a place to get out. But I think let, you need to let that come instinctually. You need to let that come naturally. You can't force those type of things. Um, and so I think I think if he stays within himself on that, I think he'll be in good shape. Why do you think that Andy Reid assistants find themselves becoming head coaches? And have you ever thought about, like, man, I'm on the Andy Reid tree. I might end up with a head coaching job. Yeah, you know, I think um, he's had an unbelievable way of developing coaches. And I think it's because of how he conducts himself um, with his coaches. You know, he, he tests them, makes sure they're prepared for the game, uh, makes sure they're prepared for um, whatever situation that he may present itself in practice during a game. And so he does a phenomenal job of just developing guys and giving them the right information that we need um, to coach and then trusting us. Anything that you miss about Chicago or Evanston? Oh, I miss a lot. I have a lot of family there. I miss my family that are, that are down there. Um, obviously, Northwestern, a lot of great friends and, and family as well, coaches. So, yeah, I miss all of those. Do you wish that you were working at that new facility that they have now instead of what you had when you were playing? <laughs> you know, I, I, the new facility, first off, is unbelievable. Uh, it's phenomenal. I got a tour there. I think it was last summer. I went back and checked it out. It's phenomenal. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said about the old facility when I was there, too. You know, I don't, I don't mind that one. It's a little grimy. Huh? There, Fitz's name has come up a couple of times as far as head coaching in the NFL. How difficult or easy do you think it would be for him to transition to do that? I think, you know, I think whatever Coach Fitz wants to put his mind to, I think he can get, he can do. Um, if that was the opportunity, and that was the road he wanted to do it. Um, I'm sure if it made sense for him and his family, I'm sure he'd, he'd do it. Fire sprinklers don't work without water. Get your building's fire pump tested ASAP. Go to sprinklerfitterschicago.org or call 708-597-1800. Sprinkler Fitters Union Local 281, protecting Chicagoland for over 100 years. Finally, the main event. The kicker that Bears fans wanted at the beginning of the season didn't end up in a Bears uniform. He did end up sticking around with the 49ers, and it seems like he made the right choice. Robbie had a lot of people around him that wanted to talk to him about his days in Chicago and what led to him sticking with the Niners. So enjoy, take a listen to Robbie Gold reminiscing about Super Bowl 41 and the difficulty of facing Dave Tobe in the Super Bowl. You know, uh, our defense played really well uh, pretty much all year. And then, you know, we ran the football a lot that year. We had one of the best offensive lines and had two really good running backs in Cedric Benson and Thomas Jones. And I actually went back and watched uh, the Super Bowl uh, special teams game because Dave Tobes all on the other side just to see how they called the game what did he do and see what we did and you know it's funny because it was so long ago that the, the film's grainy it's not HD like it is now you know but um, to go against him on the other side for me is going to be pretty special because the last time I played in this I was he was coaching me so um, I just hope he doesn't return the opening kickoff. Say, what does Devin's return look like on Green Pretty um, It definitely looks fast, that's for sure. A lot of flashing lights. So. Awesome. Everybody that's been a part of that game, fans says they want it on the opening kickoff. Every player or coach said, you know, that was not the case, but everybody's minded it was one right there. What do you remember the sideline being like? I just remember just kind of how, how we were built and 
kind of how the game opened up and just the way that our playoff season had kind of gone, those type of plays usually sparked us to do some really good things quick. Um, and I thought they did a great job with their game plan of, you know, just dipping and dunking and uh, keeping the defense on the field for a while. And, um, you know, we just uh, came up on the short end of the stick and at the end of the game. And usually these games are, are won and lost on, you know, plays throughout the third and fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, everyone has to understand that we're not down here to win a Super Bowl. We're down here to beat the Chiefs. And uh, I think that's a message that has uh, transcended through the guys to, hey, enjoy it. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're down here to finish a mission. How does a player deal with the distance between Super Bowls? When you go, you think you're going more often. Is it a tough thing this long? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was telling the young guys, I went my first full year with the Bears. And all I remember was like, oh, this is nothing. I'm going to be back. And now, you know, 13 years later, uh, you're back in a Super Bowl. So, you know, you never know when you're going to do it. You never know how it's going to happen. You never know when it's going to happen. Uh, some of it's luck. Some of it's just being in the right team. You know, I don't believe that you can chase a Super Bowl. Uh, you can't go from team to team to try to win it. Um, but I think the biggest thing of, like, the young guys is telling them, hey, enjoy it. But something that I'll always remember and it's telling my kids at home um, they're in the basement and I have a shadow box of the Super Bowl and has confetti on the, the cleats because I didn't wear them for the Pro Bowl that year and um, I'm trying to tell my kids who I didn't have kids back then but my six and four year old what a Super Bowl is and even my wife and um, I was like hey go look at daddy's shoes daddy's got confetti on it so hopefully we win and he can throw confetti all over the place and you know every time that I, I FaceTime them they're like hey where's Jimmy G <laughs> I'm like Jimmy G's probably busy doing interviews or studying they're like okay great well where's George Kittle can I talk to George Kittle so you know it's it's fun to be able to share this moment with them too what would the 2020 Robbie Gold tell the 2006 Robbie Gold or vice versa you know uh, I feel like I'm a lot smarter than I have been in years past uh, I feel like you know I have uh, a really good schedule and kind of put myself in a position to be really fresh for the game on Sunday and then um, you know, it's kind of nice being in a familiar place, uh, having played here in the Super Bowl, so I kind of know what to expect. Um, but uh, uh, hopefully not. I've been watching that for two weeks. It started out as rain. Uh, now it's like 75 and sunny. So, you know, I think the big part about it is, you know, just enjoy the ride because, you know, truthfully, um, I probably have a few more years left before uh, I'm going to go be a husband and a father. Were you uh, more nervous? I'm sorry. Were you more nervous before that game than a normal game if you think you would be on Sunday? Uh, you know what? I don't really get nervous. It's kind of funny. Like, I, I, I have nothing to lose at this point in my career. Like, I really don't. Like, I'm playing to enjoy the game. I'm playing to enjoy the moment. Uh, you know, every week and every road trip and every time I'm in the locker room, you know, as a young guy, I didn't really like take it all in. And at this point in my career, I'm trying to take the experiences I have in and try to share them as much with my kids. I mean, my kids were, every game my kids go to, I kick a game winning field goal. So uh, hopefully that's a good omen that they're coming to the Super Bowl this week. Robbie, when you think back, you were a, a walk-on at Penn State and sort of the, the, the journey that you've made. When you think back to your time in Happy Valley and where you are now, do you ever think it would end up with you in two Super Bowls like this? Uh, no. You know, I was just happy to be on a roster and uh, obviously happy to be in a place where I could play in the NFL. You know, a small-time kid from Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, goes to Penn State, plays four years, and, you know, now I'm celebrating my third Super Bowl as a family, right? So my brother won one. 
in uh, Super Bowl 50 in Levi's Stadium, and I'm hoping that uh, we can win this one so I can even the total. There you go. Yeah. You know, it, it really wasn't anything out of the ordinary. You know, I had a great camp. I hit like 120 kicks in a row. And, you know, I went in, everything was really good. And then um, our long snapper was suspended for six weeks. So we had an influx of a couple guys come and go. And it, for me, it was just trying to find a rhythm. And, you know, I felt like every couple weeks I was trying to find that rhythm. And um, right now, for me, having the same regiment of guys together working uh, at a length of time it's usually about three weeks that it kind of hits and makes sense and it feels right um, the biggest thing was I was over kicking in the beginning of the year and that probably led to me you know missing a few more kicks than normal uh, but you always try to lean on certain experiences um, whether it's you know kicking in the rain and shortening your approach or whether it's you know hey you're kicking too much like you can't do that take a day off um, those are things that I can help our young punter, who's an exceptional punter, uh, to kind of help him throughout an entire season. Probably last year, we talked to you at the Super Bowl, you didn't really know what this year was going to look like. You didn't necessarily know where you were going to be. A lot of us were <laughs> talking about you coming back to Chicago. You look back on it, you kind of reflect on, okay, not only did you return to San Francisco, you signed a contract, and now you're back at the Super Bowl, but playing in it. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is a very uh, special year for me, you know. Um, I love the city of Chicago. I always will. That love that I have for the city and for the Bear organization is never going to go away. I mean, I said it when I got cut, once a bear, always a bear. I truly mean that. Um, I played 11 years there. I'm the all-time leading scorer. I have, I think, most of the field goal kicking records there. And, you know, there's a spot in my heart that my kids – We'll learn bear down and all that when the time's right. And um, for me now, you know, when I got back, I was happy to be back because I know how special this group of guys is and what we've endured over the last few years. And I think the biggest part about it is just enjoying the moment and the ride of being back in a Super Bowl. And, you know, like I said, you never know when it's going to be or how it's going to end or what it's going to look like. And, um, you know, this is year 15, you know, to be able to play 15 years in the National Football League and be in two Super Bowls, unless you're a New England Patriot, that's kind of uncommon, you know? Yeah, obviously, they tagged you, but when it, when it came down to it, why did you feel comfortable coming back and, and signing a contract too? Well, there's a lot of layers uh, to contracts, obviously, you know. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, and I told them this from the very beginning. If the deal is right and it makes sense for both sides, then I'd be more than happy to come back and be a San Francisco 49er. Uh, you know, obviously those conversations didn't really happen until the deadline, and that's usually when things heat up. I was actually in Tahoe uh, when it happened. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed my time in San Francisco. I really enjoy playing for the organization. I think the York family is first class all the way around. Um, I think they've done some amazing things uh, as owners to give back in the community, give guys the resources they need to be and excel at a high level. And that's a big part of why we're here. And, you know, it's it's something that uh, the faithful, uh, you know, they're very similar to the, the Bear fans. You know, they're diehards. They want a winner. and. Uh, for me, it's it's fun to go out there on Sundays and compete in front of them. And, and like I said, you know, I, I love the city of Chicago, and that's that's not going to go away anytime soon. Getting another chance in this game, and knowing what your brother went through getting the ring, and how meaningful would it to win on Sunday? Well, the thing is, I can't 
walk into my house, open up my Super Bowl ring with my banner and show him because he already kind of won up me there. So I got to think of a unique way to show him the ring if we win. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Curious, curious how closely you followed Abe Panero's first year and how much you're able to sort of empathize with the ups and downs of a first year kicker there. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. You know, I thought he came in and uh, played very well. You know, obviously uh, he played through an injury, and um, if you take away the Los Angeles Rams game, he had a very solid season. So that's what Media Night was like. Three guys with connections to Chicago football, one at Northwestern, the other two with the Bears. All of them kind of connected to Matt Nagy, so we got some intel on that, and we appreciate you listening. If you like the podcast, do us a favor. Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on and write a review. We've got more stuff that we haven't even told you about coming up in the next few weeks on the Under Center Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.